Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have CrossFit Games badass Noah Olson. Now, Noah's been very consistent over the years. I've loved watching his career, and I can't wait to see him at the Games this year. We dive into a variety of different subjects, including moving to Georgia, what his training protocol used to look like, and what it looks like now, and in particular, this idea of mindset. And one thing that he really you know, dove into, I found really impactful was this concept of switching out of sandals and getting into training shoes and how that mentally helps him to prepare for that day's training. Can't wait for you to hear that, plus a bunch of other content that he delivers that I thought was really, really powerful. Before we get into the episode, just want to remind you that if you have an Apple phone and you have not checked out our brand new NC Fit app, you got to check it out. Daily workouts, on-demand content, integrated music. It's really something special. So go check out our NC Fit app. Now let's dive into an amazing episode with Noah Olson. Let's go. So, dude, you just moved to Georgia. So, wait, you moved from Miami to Georgia. Why? Why did you move? Uh, why did you move to Georgia from Miami? So, Miami is home for me. I still have a home there. My fiance Joanne is down there currently. But I decided that I wanted to make the most of this season, and the most optimal training environment that I've been a part of is here in Alpharetta, Georgia, at Training Think Tank. So. Um, my original plan was to come up and stay for two months. And when that two month period ended, I felt like I would regret leaving such an awesome training environment. So I decided to commit to staying here through the entirety of the season. So I'll be here all the way through August. Oh, wow. And so how often do you get to see your fiance? It's been pretty often. I, I would say like every couple of weeks, either I've gone down to Miami or she's come up here. She's going to go out and join me for the West Coast Classic in two weeks. So it hasn't been like a, a month long stretch where we haven't been able to see each other. But that was the thing I was the least looking forward to is being away from her that long. Dude, so you, obviously you're committed to, you know, CrossFit. You're committed to competing and, and being at the highest level. You came off a second place finish this last year, right? So then that's when you and I, after the games, I think we, we, we caught up on, with some coffee, caught up. Actually, then, no. So that was it was second before. place the year before that. And then we had the quarantine year, which it makes sense that you kind of forgot about that because that was just such a weird situation. But I went second in 19, fourth in 20, unfortunately, and hopefully first in 2021. Oh, that was right. So we got, but we caught up after your fourth place. Yes. Yeah. We okay. Did. And so, dude, I mean, obviously you're like, um, you finished in the top 10 for like pretty much every year, except for one, which is super yeah, impressive. six out of seven. Well, dude, I mean, that's really impressive because it shows your consistency across the board in all these different events. I mean, think about all the events you've competed in from swimming to long runs to whatever. And you've yeah. Been able to stay consistent. So I'm um, from a training perspective. You've been in the sport now for what, eight years? Since you like, really I started. have been at the games. This will be my eighth season, but I've been doing CrossFit for over eleven years now. Wow! And so you started really young, and and I'm curious, how have you seen the sport progress? Because back in the day, right, let's just say like eight, ten, even when you started at the games eight years ago, like it wasn't as common to have these training groups. Now you're starting to see them pop up, right? Where you have training think tank, you have um, you know T N her crew, you have the Mayhem crew, you have different yeah. You know, in New England, 
And so I'm wondering, how has the training volume shifted from when you first got in to like, what is the commitment level now? What does your training look like on a regular basis? I'm really curious, um, total duration and, and like the flow of the day. Yeah, man, I would say, honestly, thinking about it at first, my gut reaction is to say that back in the day, I trained way more than I did now, just because it was like young, fresh, eager, hungry. But I, I don't necessarily think, think that there's been much of a drop off in the volume of training. I think we probably still train just as much as I did back in the day. There's just a lot more purpose and structure to it. So now we are doing two to three sessions a day. Each session is anywhere from one to three hours. So um, on a, a long day, you know, we might actually be training for a good six, seven hours. Um, but then there are short days where it's like really potent stuff that you're only like three hours of training. Um, but for the most part, I would say that the, the volume has kind of stayed the same and the, uh, the purpose behind it has just gotten much better, more structured. Wow. So do you go to the gym and do you basically stay there all day or do you go, you do a training session in the morning, come back, go midday, come back, go in the evening. Is it normally segmented that way or is it just like a long ass block? Yeah. So that has adapted over time as well. I think I used to just go and spend the entire day at the gym. And then I realized that that wasn't really the best case scenario for me. You know, I would get into that second session and not be able to bring as much heat as I was in the first session. Um, so I've kind of adjusted to where now we'll get into the gym pretty early. Um, we're starting usually around somewhere between eight and 9 AM for the first session. And then I'll come back home. <clears throat> Luckily I live super close to the gym up here and back home in Miami. So it's like a three to five minute drive around the corner. I'll hang out with Max, eat some food, go back to the gym and I'll do that two or three times. So, um, the breaks are not super long and we do a good job here, I think of managing our schedule. So we're done training. We start around, let's call it 8 AM. We're done by like 3 PM most days. So I've got a good chunk of the afternoon to myself to kind of live that quote unquote normal life. Yeah. And so as the season progresses, I know for me, when I was competing, um, I had a different mindset to open the regionals and the games because traditionally the workouts would be a little bit different. You can kind of get an idea of what they're going to look yeah. like. So for you now, you've already participated in the open. You have the semifinal coming up, which some of this has been a little bit challenging to track. I think just because the games have gone through some evolution and some, some adjustments but you're competing about two weeks for a semifinal, which then, which then hopefully and should qualify you then for the games. And so how does your training look different compared to prepping for the open, prepping for the semifinal, and then prepping for the games? For sure. It's a good question. And I think this season is always changing. Like you just said, we've gone through so many different iterations prior to this year there were years when the open would automatically qualify you for the games. So in those years, there was a little bit more weight to the open. You know, you wanted right. to show up there and lock in a spot. Now that you have to make it through the open and then you had to make it through quarterfinals and then you had to make it through semifinals. It kind of removed some of the pressure and the weight on the open and on that quarterfinals performance, because ultimately now it comes down to qualifying through this semifinal round. Um, 
but yeah, we, we've definitely adapted the training. The style starts to change a little bit, especially as you know, when you finally have qualified for the games, then you start to do like the games prep stuff where now you're getting outside of the gym, you're using odd objects, you're mountain biking, swimming, all that stuff. And everybody seems to usually look forward to that phase of training. Yeah. So right now, would you say your training would, do you, do you guys break it up in terms of like more conditioning focused, more strength focused, and then like more CrossFit, which is kind of like a blend, or is it like CrossFit ish strength conditioning three times a day? Or is there specific sessions that are more cardio and specific sessions that are more strength? Yeah, we definitely have our sessions set up kind of with a particular focus. Um, for example, Monday, we had a strength session in the morning where I PR'd my clean. Hell yeah. I, what, what was your best clean ever? Three, best clean clean? Um, clean. I think three... I want to say like 375, 380, something in that yeah, range. I believe that. Yeah, it's crazy. I, so I hit 370 the other day, and, which, yeah, I'm, I'm happy what, with What it. do you weigh, it's, 190? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Um, but it, it's crazy that that is only 30 pounds off of 400. And that was the first time that I'd ever had that realization. And I was like, man, that's actually not that much. There's a possibility that in my lifetime, I might be able to clean 400 pounds, which is crazy. Dude, on that note, and then I want to talk more about your strength session, but yeah, yeah, I remember reading an article or maybe I was talking to an Olympic weightlifter. I can't remember. It was like, if you take what you could deadlift and you take what you could, no, no, front squat three times, you mm. should be able to clean that if I'm not mistaken. And I've I, heard that as well. You heard that too, right? And, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, man, well, I could deadlift it. I could front yeah. squat, you know, for whatever, name the weight three times. I yeah. should be able to get this, but you know hypothetical and then in practical applications a little bit different <laughs> for sure yeah it doesn't always pan out that way but if that were the case i would be closer to 400 than uh, i think but yeah i don't know it's we're not there yet we're getting we're, there and so talk to me about like what is a strain session uh i definitely go back to like how training shifts because I, I i totally agree with you but from a strength session, like, what does that look like for you these days? Like, what does a strength session look like? What, what type of atmosphere are you guys trying to create to get those um, personal bests? And then how often are you actually going for a personal best versus like threes, fives, tens? Whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that we're not always chasing the PRs. You know, I don't think it's smart to do that. And I actually just found that out the hard way. Um, yesterday, I tweaked my shoulder up a little bit to just be fully transparent. I'm hoping it's just like a one or two day thing. I know often athletes don't talk about that stuff, but I don't mind sharing it because um, it's real life. But I was going for uh, a set of three overhead squats. Oh. And uh, and I just, it, it wasn't in the plan to go for a PR, but I was, I don't know, for whatever reason, I got it in my head. I was like, today's the day. I've been feeling good. I just PR'd my clean. I may as well PR this. And in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, man, I should have just stuck to the program. It was supposed to be like a moderately heavy three, not a maximal three. So um, anyway, all that to say that, yeah, we're not always chasing PRs, but sometimes the energy is good. We've got a really awesome training crew. And uh, it's it's been like raining PRs up here recently, I think, with the amount of people that we have that are super competitive, the environment that we've created. So, And yeah. how much of that plays a role? Like I know that when I was training at the highest level, 
the environment played a huge role. So I would do two things. Oh, yeah. I would train on my own um, because I wanted to know what it felt like to, like you, you've been there, you're in the middle of an event, you don't have music, you don't have people cheering you on, you gotta <clears> internally <throat> drive yourself. But then yeah. you also wanna surround yourself with these people because it's fun, it's inspiring, it keeps you motivated. So do you have to bridge the gap between always training with other people and having like this like energy that just fills the room and then also doing stuff on your own? Or do you not really train on your own and you stick mainly with being in the energy of the room? Yeah, I mean, I prefer to train with people. I just think that that is going to get the most out of me. So, and I, I think you're, there's a valid point there as well, though, that you have to be used to kind of grinding on your own. And I think in our training, that does happen. You know, like we're, we're out at a track session and you're going to separate from the guys and be running on your own at some point. So I think hopefully that's enough exposure to prepare me for when that happens at the games as well. And now how often are you doing a track day? Like once a week? Yep. I think like a traditional just running track session is about once a week. I'm sure it'll shift from the track to like some uh, trail running hill stuff once we have everybody qualified for the games. Um, but yeah, I mean, to go back to the whole structure of training, usually I was just talking about that Monday. So Monday we had a, a traditional strength session and then everybody left for a little while. And then we came back and did a CrossFit session. They had released one of the workouts for the West Coast Classic. So we retested that one that you have actually done. The uh, 2013 Chipper, I think it was called or something like that. It was like a legless rope climb or 2013 legless. Oh. It was legless rope climbs and thrusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the, I don't know if this wasn't noted, but the legless rope, those were the short ropes, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember okay. that. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, so you guys did that. And then, so that was like your midday session. Yeah. And then, and you then come we back later at the track. Okay. Yeah. So you, you are someday segmenting it out like that. And so as you prepare and you know, you qualify and you prepare for the games, do you then, you then really start expanding those margins, right? I mean, you're outside the gym. What would you say? 60% of the time and in the gym, 40% of the time, because you've already built this hedge. Yeah, that seems about right. Um, definitely just getting exposure to either stuff that we've done in the past, you know, like they've had bikes of some sort yep. at the games the past few years. So we'll go and get exposure. We'll do a, a road biking day. And then the next week we'll do a mountain biking day just so that you've got all these little touches so that if something comes up, you're not caught with your pants down, you know? Yep. Um, I think that we had done paddle boarding one year and there's going to be stuff that like, we'll train and it won't come up and maybe it was a waste of a session, but it's better to be safe than sorry, as they say, you know? So looking back on the past uh, eight seasons, what's the weirdest, what's the most unique event that you didn't expect would come out of the games? Cause the games always throws out little mm -hmm. kind of gems, right? What's yeah. the one, what's the, like, was it that cyclocross or what, what event kind of threw you for a loop? Yeah. Cyclocross was really unique. The, the crit thing was unique. I, it just, when there's like a specialty sport that they throw at all of us who are not really meant to be specialists, um, that can just be tricky to see how quickly somebody adapts to those things. Um, I, I don't know. I think for whatever reason, one of the things that just came to mind was the Atalanta event that we had last year. Not that that workout on its own is that crazy, I mean, it's, it's a pretty crazy workout, but the fact that it was the final workout after like 
all of the stuff that we had already done that weekend. I remember when he said that that was what we were finishing it off with all of us. I mean, the five guys and five girls that were competing kind of looked around and we were like, for real, like that's we're, we're doing all that after all that. And it was kind of like, yes, do what you can to make it through. But Dude, how about that time when you got turned around and you had to do the run twice? What was that like? So that fortunately for me, uh, unfortunately for the story, wasn't as shocking because I happened to be, I think, in third at that point. So I had already seen Matt and Justin turn around and they were on their way back up. And so in my mind, I knew something was up. So when he said to turn around and go again, I wasn't as surprised as they were. Okay. The suspense was gone. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And so, you know, and then also on that same note, you know, you've competed in, I mean, at this point, hundreds of individual events, right? Um, which one? I wonder what the actual you? number for that is. What would you say if there's like an average of fifteen, 15 events, events at the games, and then eight years? I mean, you're yeah. probably, and then not to mention the open, and then, yeah, and then and then you know uh, regionals and, and I mean you've competed. Oh, a lot and of we're talking about all those. Yeah, it's tons and tons. But even if you're talking about the games and you're at a hundred events, you know which one stands out to you as one you remember as far as your performance is concerned that just like sticks in your mind is like, man, that was. That's the one like that one was something I'm going to remember forever. Not because it's unique and, and, and crappy. That was a different question. This is one that like you're going to reflect on 10, 20 years from now with your kids. Like, dude, that event was epic. Mm-hmm. I won it or maybe I took second, whatever it was. Yeah, I, I think naturally my mind goes to the Mary event at the 2019 games because it was in the Coliseum. It was my first event win ever it happened to put me in first place at the game. So there were just so many significant pieces to that, that when I won it, it was such an overwhelmingly positive, memorable experience that that's the one that automatically I think of. 19 was at, um, was in Madison. Correct. And so the Coliseum was like that, the in, you were inside. Indoor. Yeah. 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 That place, dude. Oh man. Remember the tennis stadium and that put, they both indoors. Yes. It's just like those things erupt. Um, that's for awesome. sure. Yeah, it's so cool. And so do you miss that? Um, yeah, I mean, the tennis stadium at Home Depot Center was like, dude, when you would go down that alley and that place yeah. would just erupt, especially at night when it was dark, and for sure, you know, and the jets would fly over. I mean, it was epic. It, it was that was I, I I do miss those moments. I, I think that for any competitor out there, um, you know, taking the time to recognize that like embracing it a little bit more i i think oh, i yeah. did a good job of that but i wish i would have because you're it, nothing's ever guaranteed tomorrow right and and right. i think each event each moment it's like something to kind of like celebrate because dude it's badass i mean like you're saying i mean even that merry moment for you um as you're getting prepared for the quote sem- semifinals here at west coast classic in vegas what does our preparation look like how how um when do you stop like going for, I mean, cause here we are two weeks out and you said you just basically went for a three rep max overhead squat. You just hit a PR on your, on your power clean or your, excuse me, squat clean. So when does yeah. your training start to taper or, or does it not really taper? How does that work? Yeah. I tend to the week of the competition, like fully, fully taper. This, this particular lead up is a little bit unique for me. Once again, just being fully transparent and talking about stuff that I think a lot of athletes usually try to like hide 
um, to not give away any of their weaknesses, but I like to try to be an open book. I have had a kidney stone issue that has kind of been impacting me for the past month. And so having to take days off of training, I had to take a full week off of training last week because I had to have a surgery basically to remove the kidney stone. Um, in my mind, I was starting to feel a little bit of that stress of like, all right, it's getting close to game time. I have to take a full week off when I'm good to go. Like when I'm cleared to get back at it, I want to just maximize all the time that I have and train as close to the competition as I can. And so I was planning on, <clears throat> on Monday, we were technically three weeks out. I wanted to train hard for two weeks. And then on that third and final week, once I got out to Vegas, then kind of like back off and just that taper week stuff, you know, where you're doing EMOMs of all the crossing movements, percentages on your lifts, just staying sharp. Um, but I don't know, like I said, I, I tweaked up my shoulder a little bit yesterday and hopefully it's only a, a quick thing, but I may have to adapt again and it may not be the absolute optimal preparation for a competition but when adversity strikes you can either give up and throw your hands up to the sky and say why me or you can work around it and make the most of the cards that you're dealt that's for what sure. i'm gonna try to do and so west coast classic what do you need to do to qualify for the games i mean aside from win top five top five okay yep. top five goes to the games and so um as you're approaching that i, I guess I mean, I guess you're just going for the win anyways, regardless. But I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about these sponsorships. You are the first CrossFit athlete that I've seen ever um, who, you know, worked with uh, Gymshark. And I, I found that to be really interesting because they're more of a European brand, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah, they were founded in the UK um, relatively recently, actually. They're a very new company. They were started about five years ago by this young guy, Brent Ben Francis, and they just got valued at, I want to say like $1.7 billion at the end of last year. So uh, really, really up and coming, fast growing company. And they want to get into both the United States a little bit heavier and the CrossFit space. So I'm humbled and excited about the opportunity to help them do both of those things. Yeah. And so tell me, how does that process work? Because you see athletes who got sponsored by Reebok, you know, others that got Nike, and then if I'm not mistaken, I think you are working with Puma and Gymshark, or am I mistaken? There? Yeah, you know, so I'll, uh, I'll give as much insight as I can without sharing too much where yeah. my manager would get mad at me. But um, I had a contract with Nike for the last handful of years that expired at the end of the year. We were in kind of that negotiation period where we were able to talk to everybody, you know, right. all the different brands that are out there and see what the best decision would be for myself as an athlete, myself as a person trying to financially support my family. Um, and we ended up getting connected with Gymshark through a fellow Gymshark athlete and a friend of mine, Devin. And the conversation just started and it was just kind of like one of the options. And it just was every time that we spoke, it was perfect. Like it was just everything lined up. Well, we were really excited. The, the vibes were right. The relationship made sense. And so we ended up finally deciding to go with Gymshark for apparel. That kind of left the footwear category open. So you've been seeing me wear a handful of different shoes just because, again, I have the freedom to. So, and which I haven't had in years. 
So right. I'm just trying different stuff. You know, I, I still wear my Nike Metcons, wear my Nike lifters. I've tried the Pumas. I've tried the Innovates. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still available in that category in theory to be able to wear whatever shoes I want. That's cool. I mean, the good news about that is at least when you do decide on a company you want to align with, you've been <clears> testing <throat> out all these other products. And so whatever you go sure. with, your audience and, and for yourself will know, hey, that's, that's the one you wanted because you've been testing everything out. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's been interesting too. It's so funny the way that the social media world works. You know, you post a video and a pair of shoes and then you cause this stir and everybody starts speculating like, yeah, it, it's just kind of, it's fun. It's funny to see people's reactions to that. So speaking of which, I mean, let's briefly talk about mindset and social media. So what, like, what is your relationship with social media? I mean, has it always been pretty positive? Do you see the negatives to it? How do you, how do you kind of like compartmentalize social media from your real life or your you know, life with your fiance and whatnot? What does yeah. social media play in this whole kind of thing? And how do you kind of regulate it, control it? It's ironic that you asked that because she and I were just talking about that last night. Um, and, you know, I think I've always had a really positive relationship with social media. Like, I, I really do enjoy the process. I think a lot of people, athletes specifically, see it as an obligation. It's something that you have to do in order to maintain your sponsorships and your brand. But it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. I, I like creating cool content that people can engage with and enjoy and be inspired by. So, um it's, it's never felt like a burden to me. There were definitely times where elements of it impacted me in a negative way, you know, just like reading comments and the negativity, letting that get to me. I think that I've matured a lot and I know now how to handle that stuff and I don't let it play a role in my life the way that it used to. Yeah. And so how many, like, if, if I had to ask, like, how, how long are you on social media a day? It is a big vertical for you to get your message out. Yeah, man, you know, I, I really do try to limit the amount of time that I'm kind of just scrolling um, and spend the majority of the time that I'm using on social media to, to be creating content, posting stuff yeah. on my story, engaging with people. Uh, but like, again, being transparent, I, I, there are times when I am just kind of mindlessly scrolling and I'll catch myself. But um, one thing as well that you might find interesting, I try as much as I can not to look at any of the uh, any of my competitors stuff yeah. you know like i don't like to see if somebody hits a snatch pr like i don't want to see that i just don't like to focus on other people i like to kind of just do what i'm doing and not worry about what they're doing so i'll scroll right past all my competitors whenever they're in the gym <laughs> and so speaking of that um from a mindset perspective over the years i mean again you've been competing for a long time you've been very consistent um probably at this point i mean i, I would safely say at this point in the game in an individual perspective, you're probably the most consistent, actually. Um, I mean, right? I mean, you, you, the numbers yeah. speak true, right? Yeah, I, I mean, there you could probably, somebody could statistically make arguments for a ton of other people. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think there are maybe a couple of guys that had their first games appearance back in 2014, which happened to be your last games appearance, which is... Uh, really notable for me. It was, it was special for me to be able to compete that year with all the OGs. That was kind of like the changing of the guard. Yeah. You know, all the new guys came in, all you guys, you, Rich, Jason, I mean, um, Tommy, Josh, Graham, like that was all Chris Spieler. 
that was all of your last years competing individually. And you guys were like the legends that all of us looked up to. So to be able to like cross paths for that one year and then you guys leave and we kind of continue on was very cool. Yeah. And so from a mindset perspective over the last, you know, 10 years, do you, do you seek someone out to work with you on, have you just developed specific mindset tools and tricks and tips, or have you had someone that's actually helped you with that? I just now, like within the last six months, have found somebody that has had a really positive impact on that element of my life as a competitor and a person. Uh, Her name is Emma, and she is based in the UK as well. Ironically, we chat once or twice a week, and it's been awesome. Prior to that, I had had one kind of negative experience with a mental performance coach back in like 2015 where I feel like I just was changing who I was trying to fit a certain mold and it really inhibited my performance. I wasn't able to just like naturally go out and do my thing. And so I kind of wrote off everything mental performance related, you know, books related to the topic, talking to people about it. I was like, ah, I don't need that. That's actually, that ends up being a negative thing for me until very recently where I feel like I'm happy that I've turned that around. And so what, uh, what made you open to trying it again? So Sarah Sigmund's daughter yep. started working with training think tank around the same time, about six months ago after the games last year. And she had been working with Emma as well, the mental performance coach. And so when she and Max, who is my main coach linked up, Max said, Hey, Sarah's working with a mental performance coach. I'd like for you to have a conversation with her just see if it might be something that could work. And we had our first conversation. We kind of did a deload after the 2020 games, after you and I had linked up and had some coffee. Um, And I don't know, we just, we vibed really well. I liked her mindset and her approach to the conversation. And we've been chatting ever since. And I, I do really think she has had a significant impact on what I'm able to do physically because of what I've been able to do mentally. Dude, that's awesome. It's scary yeah. to think because, right, you came up a second and a fourth, and now here you are saying that you've been able to, you know, you're PRing your lifts and you have a, a performance coach that's going to help you improve even more. And so um, what type of things before you go to an event, and uh, these are just really questions I'm, I'm really curious about as things have evolved. Yeah, yeah. What kind of things, like, do you have, like, a very consistent structure you do now before you go to an event? Do you always do the same thing? Do you always tie your shoes the same way? Do you always, you always put your socks on the same way? Do you have some type of, like, mantra that you use anything like that going into these events um i don't know that i have any kind of ritualistic stuff one of the things that actually emma the mental performance coach has helped me start to utilize is kind of a morning routine in general and then something that fits a little bit more of the mold of what you're saying is changing my shoes before training sessions which i know sounds so simple but (laughs) I, I will purposely go into the gym in slides and then once, so basically what that does is she wants to have like a shift in mindset that when you put on your quote unquote athlete shoes, it's business. Like you go into the gym in your slides, say hi to everybody, goof around for a couple minutes, get yourself set up. And then when you put on your shoes that you're going to train in, it's go time. Like that means you've just transitioned your mindset and it's time to put in work. That's the first time I've ever heard that. And I think that's awesome because you're right. You know, what's what's really interesting is like when people go to work, 
most people go in like clothes like you and I are wearing right now. And then they, they put on a suit and they go to work or they put on dress codes. They put on, they put on something different than what- Like a uniform, yeah. Some type of uniform, right? And then for us, especially owning gyms or you know training in the gym, it's all kind of blended, right? Like I wear the same clothes outside the gym as I do in the gym and I'm always yeah. wearing a t-shirt and shorts. But I think what she's trying to in, in, in part is this idea like it's a mental like switch. I Absolutely. love that idea, man. That's a really cool concept to go from slides to shoes. Um, it's, it's almost similar in like jujitsu. You go from um, like being in just like a rash guard or just like your normal clothes. Then you put on your gi if you're wearing a gi or a rash guard. And it signifies like, hey, it's, like it's game time. Yeah, we're, we're going to get on the mat and, and, and go train. But um, cool. that's, a really, that's a really cool concept. And so it, will that same thing then, like let's just say you're going to compete. I, mean, I guess part of that same mindset will, will be incorporated there. Or are you just, are, I mean, you're probably in business mode all, the whole time you're there. But I'm sure you'll be incorporating some of the skills that she's been teaching you. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a difference between like, you're kind of just moseying around in the warm up area, getting yourself set up. And then there, there has to be a moment when you're warming up where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm zoned in, you know, I'm not looking at my phone anymore. I'm not having fun, friendly conversations with people. And it's kind of like game time. And I think the shoe change thing may be what it is for me at the games this year for the first time. The two, the two shoe change thing is almost similar. Um, what I used to find myself doing is if I pumped myself up too early for too long, I would be like, I wouldn't have enough. I, I would be like, oh, uh, I, I would like, let's just say the event was at 6 PM and I'm yeah. like amped up all day long. By the time I actually got to the event, I would be almost like, um, overloaded and I wouldn't be able to perform I know exactly what you mean. But if during the day I just try to relax, try to like, listen to, you know, reggae or whatever, by the t- because but then I had, I, I feel like I, I got an energy boost later on. Do you, do you feel that same way? Like if you get too crazy too quickly in the day? Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. And that's one of the other things that we've kind of talked about. And I think that's one of the purposes of the shoe change is like, there is two versions of myself. There's Noah, the human being, the person, and then there's Noah, the professional athlete. And so being able to spend the day, in the slides as Noah the human is a little bit more nonchalant. It's relaxing. It's not as taxing and being able to transition then into the elite athlete mode. Then it's like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like you haven't wasted that energy all day being in that mindset, being that person that it takes a little more energy to be. Dude, I love that. And so talk to me about uh, happy, but hungry. What is that? Where, where did you, I mean, you've, you've kind of branded that as something that you lean into. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, man, it's funny that you said lean in so many little ironies, but lean in is like the phrase that I think was the most impactful in working with Emma. We talked about like the, the tough stuff, the tough training, the stuff that makes you nervous, the stuff that you don't look forward to. And I went through a process a couple months ago with her of like seeking that stuff out and leaning into that. And that I feel like that's like my, my go-to phrase when it gets tough out on the floor, it's lean in. So it's funny that you said that. Anyway, um, happy but hungry is kind of a mantra that I came up with by chance when I first started working with Max El Haj at Training Think Tank. I'll keep the sh- story really brief because yeah. I think many people have probably heard it. But um, Max was talking to me about how Travis Mayer, who is one of my training partners and one of Max's athletes, 
utilizes anger when he trains. Like he goes to that dark place, you know? And he was saying that he thought maybe I should try to tap into some of that. And I feel like I tried it for a week and I came back to him and I was like, man, that's just not me. Like, I'm not that person. I'm a really happy guy in general. Like, I, I love my life. But I don't want you to mistake the fact that I'm out on the floor, like laughing and smiling and having fun for me being content. I'm still super hungry. I want to win the games. And it kind of clicked right there. I was like, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Let's roll with that. And now it's just turned into this lifestyle that to me can be applied to anything, right? Like love what you're doing as much as you possibly can, but never get content, never settle always be hungry and striving to do a little bit more. Dude, I love that. At NC Fit, um, we've gone through a few, you know, evolutions as a company. And one of the things we've really been, quote, leaning into lately, yeah. um, is this idea of effort over everything and this concept that like, we just want to, we just want to put in our best effort. And it's, it's a similar idea of like, you're yeah. happy, but you're hungry. Like you want more, you want to put in your best performance. And, uh, and that goes for everything in life, not just in the gym, but I love it, man. Happy but hungry. It's a great kind of mantra or, or thing to, to dive into. And so, Thank you. Know, I mean, look, we're a couple weeks out from a big competition. I'm looking forward to seeing at the games. You just signed a new deal with uh, Jim Shark. You have a fiance. You just moved. I mean, bro, life is good, man. It's been great to watch you over the years compete at a really high level and do as well as you have. And um, Thank dude, you so also much. for people that don't know you personally, like you, you're a good dude. You're, you're a cool dude. Like, um, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And, and you're as are you. Talk. Oh, come on, man. And so <laughs> any other big plans coming up aside from just qualifying for the games and, uh, and, and, and training? I mean, that's, I know that's a big focus, but anything else going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And you and I have had a couple of conversations over the years on like business stuff and the happy but hungry brand in particular, you've always been fond of that, which is awesome. I love that support. And I almost feel guilty saying to you that I've kind of, I don't want to say that I've put Happy Hungry as a brand on the back burner, but I was kind of trying to juggle both, like really building that brand and being a competitive athlete. And I decided this year that I, I was going to not put as much focus on Happy But Hungry and really, really just dive into being the absolute best version of myself that I possibly can. As you know, we've all got a timeline at the top. So I feel like I actually, I thought that by the time I was 30, which I am now, I'd start to fizzle out. But as we've seen, I'm, I'm PRing and I'm feeling awesome. So I think I've got a few more years in me and I really want to try to capitalize on those. And once I'm done being the competitive athlete, try to dive as far into all of the awesome stuff that you're doing on the business side of things. So, um, that's, what was the original question? No, no, that kind of no, 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 just what you had planned. But I mean, I think oh, you like life in that, general. Yeah. That you're just no, you're just focused on on being a professional athlete, which I think in itself is great to hone in. And you know, it's funny. I so I'm 35, and um, I stopped. I stopped competing. Well, Ava got sick in 2016, so I was like about five. So I was I was 30 when I stopped competing. And yeah. you know, it's funny, man. I really feel like I was hitting my stride, like yeah. 28, 29, 30, and I think that. I, I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think? You think three more years, you think, you think you'll hit your prime at like 32, 33, or you think you're in your prime right now? It's so tough to say, man, because it seems like it's always changing. And again, I, I really did think just because of the, the landscape of CrossFit, like you stepping out at 30 and a couple other guys, 
in my mind, I'm like, okay, then that must be it. You know, like if, if all these guys are leaving the top of the game at 30, it's going to be the same for us. And now that I'm here and I feel good, it's like, all right, well, I don't need to do that just because it was what I thought was going to be the case. If I feel good, I'm going to keep rolling with this. So yeah, as of right now, arbitrarily, a few more years sounds like what's feasible. Who the heck knows? Maybe, like you said, maybe I do start getting better than ever two years down the road from now when I thought I would already be retired. So I don't know. That's we'll the exciting see. part, man. You never know. You never know. Well, dude, it's been awesome to catch up with you, get a backstory of what's going on and can't wait to follow the journey with the West Coast Classic. And um, dude, I'd love to talk with you again, man. We could, we could wrap all day. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, um, if, uh, if people want to know more about, you know, Noah Olsen, your background, maybe if people aren't as much in the crosses phase, where should they go? Yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity to throw some plugs. Um, Instagram is kind of just Ooh. the primary one at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. But I feel like uh, YouTube is a place that I've been putting a lot more energy and attention into lately. So I think you guys can get some more long form opportunities to know me on YouTube. Love it, man. We'll do great catching up with you and uh, have an awesome day in Georgia. Thank you so much, my brother. Same to you.